0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. Welcome
1: back to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and I'm here with the illustrious and beautiful Denise. And one of our Home Group members wrote to me and said, I love your Home Group, but it's more attractive when Denise is there. And I agree. That's the truth. And Denise, you look really pretty.
2: Thank you, Rick. And I'm so glad
1: to be back. It's good to be home.
2: Oh, it's wonderful
1: to no be. No place home. like home. No place like home. You were out being a grandma. I was. Thank you, grandma.
2: You're welcome, <laughs> grandpa.
0: Joel, welcome to Home Group. <laughs> welcome to. <home> group. <laughs> we're gonna have a good time tonight. That's the truth. We've been talking about how to help people who are in trouble, and I think we all know somebody who's in trouble. And I've really enjoyed these these last two home groups, and I'm going to enjoy tonight also. Oh, me well, too. in front of us, we have
1: an example of people in trouble. Yes,
2: that's true. People
1: that have been displaced, and you know, in all the years that we've been talking to you, we've never made a project like this. We, we never have, not one time. But right now, it's really urgent, and we need to do what we have to do. So all hands on deck, and we're doing what we can to help people that have been displaced. This is a gospel moment. And if you want to be a part of this project of providing relief to people that have been displaced, just go online to our main website page. You'll see a place. You can click, open it, and read all about it. There's many ways you can participate. And if you've already participated, we're really grateful. Thank you. But on the regular TV program this week, we're offering Denise's book called The Gift of Forgiveness. It's small. And, Denise, you've got to lay hands on me that I will be able to write a small book.
2: Rick, I don't think I will.
1: You know, I just, wrote a, <laughs> I just wrote another book. Do you realize I'm writing all the time? In 1978, the Lord said, Write, write, write. I'll bless what you write. Well, I can't do the blessing part, but my job is to do the right. So I write every day. I write every day. And I just finished a new book called Apostles and Prophets in the Past, in the Present, and in the Last Days Church to bring a balance to this issue of Apostles and Prophets. And Denise, when I started that book, I thought, I don't even know if this is going to be a 200-page book. If
2: that's what well, you yes, told me.
1: It's 800 pages. <laughs> it is an 800. I just don't know how to do a small book. But when I begin to write a book, I just want to be thorough with people. Yeah. Because we're told in James chapter 3, verse 1, that those who teach are going to be more strictly judged. So when I begin a subject, I just, I just want to be complete. I want to answer every question, answer every argument, make sure I, it's really clear and help people. Have something they can trust. So it just grew. Anyway, I write books every day. But Denise's book is really good, even though it's small. It's a treasure. You can read it in one setting, you can even put it in your pocket. I like that.
2: Rick, there was one testimony that somebody gave me, and it was a, um, this is awful, but it was a mother in law and a daughter in law. And the daughter in law decided that she didn't want her mother in law to see the children. The grandchildren, the mother-in-law got in such a rage that she had a gun, and she was planning on shooting the daughter-in-law.
1: Well, that's not a good solution.
2: Not a good story, not a good solution. And somebody gave her the tiny little book, Gift of Forgiveness. And this this is the testimony. And she said, I don't want to read that. And she threw it across the room. And this is the testimony. There was a light this God wanted to save this woman so bad. There was a light that shined on that book and she could not deny it. And she read the book and she forgave her daughter-in-law.
1: So your book stopped a murder. Amen. You know, one time
2: you... their get- forgiveness stops a lot of things. It stops hate. It stops divorce. It stops children being denied and rejected all their life. You know,
1: books are powerful and God one, they're missionaries. They go where you can't go. Mm-hmm. One time I was sitting with my sister. Mm. Oh. Late in the evening in her home. She was not a charismatic. There wasn't a charismatic book in her house. And she went to talk to me about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in tongues. Oh, we're just talking and talking. And she says, why tongues? Why are tongues so important? Just tell me why tongues? God is my witness. Exactly at that moment, her little Yorkshire Terrier came running in the room, jumped up into her lap, and in the dog's mouth was Kenneth Hagin's book called White Tongues. <laughs> where did that book
2: now, come from? Yeah, you know.
1: Rhonda looked at me and said, where did this dog get that book? I said, I don't know, but I think the Lord wants you to find the answer. The dog delivered her a book. I'm telling you, God has ways that are way beyond our ways. Rhonda, if you're watching, you're probably laughing because I know you remember what we were all like stunned when that happened. But anyway, in the regular TV program this week, we're also offering the five part series, How to Intercede for People Who Are in Trouble. And we're using the example of Lot. He was a believer. In fact, Peter calls him mm-hmm. a just yes. man mm-hmm. twice, mm-hmm. which means he was saved. But sometimes saved people do wrong. They just do. Lot did wrong, so there was a way to get him out of his mess. Mm. That's what's in this series. And it comes
0: with a study guide, which is free. Joel, tell us about that. Oh, yes. This study guide is for free right now on our website, and it is truly a gift. I just got a report, Dad, that we have done 98 study guides. Wow. So a study guide is a study guide on a particular
1: subject. That means... Since we went on Daily TV, I've done 98
0: new series. 106 series. Oh, 106. Because we didn't do study guides in the very beginning when we started. You know, Joe, that's a lot of work. A lot of work. But 98 subjects have been documented what the Bible says about a certain subject. And if you're in trouble in some area, I suggest you go to our website, look at the study guides we have available, and find that category that you need help in, and study what the Bible says. Because the Bible is the truth and it will help you set things straight.
2: Or can I say something Rick? Like probably somebody's listening to us and you know somebody's in trouble. Maybe it's your own child and they're choosing the wrong things, They're they're making the wrong decisions and you want to become that intercessor for them. Well, I want to encourage you to get that study guide and get your mind so filled with the Word of God that you become that intercessor that gets that child or that husband or that wife out of that situation.
1: Well, let's pick up where we left off last night. Certainly. Lot chooses the luscious green valleys of the plain. Beyond them was Sodom and Gomorrah. I don't think Abraham knew he was going to go to Sodom and Gomorrah. He would have stopped it. He would have said, do not do that. He thought he was just going to go into the luscious green valleys. But Lot was so mesmerized by the thought of Sodom and Gomorrah that that's where he ended up. And he knew where he was headed. Genesis chapter 13, verse 13 says, The men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly.
0: Joe, how does your Bible say it? The people of this area were unusually wicked and sinned greatly against the Lord. Well, in Genesis chapter 18,
1: we find that three men come to see Abram. And if you read that chapter, you'll find out one of them was the Lord mm-hmm. and two of them were angels. And they came and they appeared to him. The Bible tells us in verse one, the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre. And he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And interesting, Denise, the word Lord that's used here in Hebrew is Hashim which is the word for mercy. It Mm. means mercy appeared to him. Well, what's about to take place in Sodom and Gomorrah may not sound like mercy, but it was really the intervention of mercy to wipe out all that evil. Sometimes God brings judgment. It seems very brutal, but in fact, it's very merciful that God is acting. Mm. But verse 2 says, Abraham looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And he saw them, and he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself to the ground. And finally, after spending time with him, verse 16 and 17 says, The men rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, see, one of these angels was really the Lord. Shall I hide from Abraham that thing that I'll do? It was the Lord. And what you're going to find out, is the Lord in heaven could hear the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah. In fact, look at verse 20 to 22. The Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they've done all together according to the cry of it, which is coming to me, and if not, I'll know it. And the men turned their faces from thence and went toward Sodom, but Abraham stood yet before the Lord. But notice, it says heaven heard the cry of sin. And when you study scripture, you find that all the way in heaven, there are three things that heaven hears. He hears the cry of faith. This chapter teaches us that God can hear the cry of sin. He can. So when a society becomes exceedingly sinful, heaven hears it. He hears the cry of faith. We also know from Exodus chapter 3 that when God's people are suffering, He can hear the cry of their suffering. The Bible says very clearly, heaven can hear these three things. Let's make sure that from us, heaven's not hearing sin. Pray to God that we're not suffering. Let's pray that heaven hears the cry of faith. Amen. But basically the Lord said, I'm going to dispatch these angels down the hill, Now, there they are standing on the edge of the hill. In the distance, you can see Sodom and Gomorrah, the five cities of the plain. And the Lord says, I'm going to send these angels on a trip to investigate these cities to see if the cry of the sin could possibly be as bad as it is. Now, does that mean God didn't know? Of course he knew. But God always gives opportunity to check things out. He gives people an opportunity to repent. So God was just taking extra steps before judgment came. And aren't you glad that God does that? He is Hashim. He's mercy. So he dispatched them. But the Bible says Abraham stood yet before the Lord. You know why? Because Abraham knew his nephew was there. Abraham knew his nephew's family was there. Abraham knew the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah didn't even come close to how bad it was. And history tells us there was so much perversion in Sodom and Gomorrah, Denise, that beds lined the streets so people didn't have to wait to get home to have sex. They could just stop anywhere on the streets to have it. It was totally, totally perverse. They were wicked sinners exceedingly before the Lord. And again, there is a whole new theological bent today, which is trying to affirm the gay movement. And they said, oh, well, God's judgment had nothing to do with sexual perversion. They were just inhospitable to strangers. Come on, come on, come on. What does the Bible say? And Abraham drew near. Look at verse 23. He drew near. Why? He knew Lot was in trouble. Again. Again. But when you know somebody's about to be destroyed, that's not a time to say, that is just so sad. They are going to get in trouble. That didn't change anything. Jude, verse 22 says, of some have compassion, making a difference. you got to do something. The next verse says pulling them out of the fire. you got to do something to save them, to deliver them. Just wringing your hands or worrying, not sleeping at night because you're so worried, that doesn't change anything. Abraham didn't go home and worry. He drew near. Isn't that powerful, Denise? And he said to the Lord, "Wilt thou also destroy the righteous with the wicked? He calls Lot righteous, even though he is not living up to what he knows. He is a saved man, but he's not living right. And Abram says, will you destroy the righteous with the wicked? And then he begins to negotiate with the Lord. Listen to this. Verses 24 to 32. Peradventure, there be 50 righteous within this city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place? For the 50 righteous that are therein, that be far from thee to do after this manner, to slay the righteous with the wicked, and that the righteous should be as the wicked, that be far from thee, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Well, guess what? Lot, Abraham knew there were not 50. He knew that. But he just didn't know how bold he could be. He didn't know if God would spare the whole city just for a little handful. So he began negotiating or almost like an auctioneer in reverse. He's whittling God down. Well, he was the first Jew. I say he's doing God down. That's really what he's doing. He's starting with one price, but he's really getting down to where he wants to go. And the Lord said, If I find in Sodom 50 righteous people within this city, I will spare all the place for their sake. Well, Abraham knew that he wouldn't find them. So Abraham answered and said, Behold, now I have taken upon me to speak unto the Lord. I'm just dust and ashes, but peradventure, there shall lack five of the 50 righteous. Will thou destroy the city for the lack of five? He's becoming bolder and bolder. And he said, if I find there 40 and five, I will not destroy it. And he spoke to him again and said, here's Abraham testing the waters. How bold can I be? Peradventure, there shall be 40 found there. He said, I won't do it for 40's sake. He said to him, oh, Lord, please don't be angry with me and I'll speak again peradventure shall 30 be found there. He said, I will not do it if I find 30 there. And he said, peradventure now I've taken it upon me to speak to the Lord. What if there's 20? He said, I won't do it for 20's sake. And finally he said, Lord, oh, okay, Lord, let's come down a little bit more. What if there's 10 found there? Mm-hmm. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it for 10's sake. And listen to this, the Bible says in 18 verse 33, the Lord went his way as soon as he had left, what's that next word? Communing with Abraham and Abraham returned to his place. Now, somebody might say, wasn't Abraham really being audacious with the Lord? Yes, he was. And what does God call it? Communion. The Lord went his way. As soon as he left off, communing with Abraham. God enjoys it when we come to the table and we lay all the cards on the table. We negotiate, we pray, we get bold, we get honest. That is why Hebrews 4, 16 tells us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Abraham was testing the water because nobody had ever been this bold with God. But we know we can be. You can tell the Lord whatever it is you need to say. You can ask him for whatever you want. You can be bold when you come to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. But notice also in 18, verse 33, it says, And Abraham returned to his place. He went to bed. That's what it means. It was nighttime. He interceded. He knows that God is a man of his word. And when the Lord says, I will take care of the 10 that are there, he said, done deal. Abraham went home and went to bed and did not lose a wink of sleep because he had sealed the deal. Regardless of what happened to those cities, he knew his family was gonna be okay. That's the power of prayer. It delivers them and it helps us. Denise?
2: Well, God is not a man that he should lie. And when we have that kind of faith, and we say, God, you said in your word, this is true, well, then it's true. And I'm not moving from that. Then it brings peace to our heart. It brings joy to us. It brings strength to us. Because we don't know what to do with our problem. But when we give our problem to Him, and we trust Him, then we can rest. And that's what Abraham did.
1: It's just amazing. Hashim showed up. Mercy. Mercy. That's who he is. That's yeah. who the Lord is. He is... Hashim. Whenever people would call it and say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Hashim, it's a mercy that does something. It's not pity. It's something that acts. And when Abraham saw that Hashim showed up, he asked for action. And he sealed his nephew's safety. Even though everything else was destroyed, hmm, Lot was delivered, and guess what? He didn't even want to be delivered. Why did God deliver him? The Bible tells us in chapter 19, Abraham was remembered by God, and that's why Lot was delivered. That's how powerful you are when you pray and when you intercede. So before you close your eyes and go to sleep tonight, you need to say, Hashim, mercy. I'm asking you to deliver my child, my husband, my friend. Do it for me. Wow, this is powerful. We're out of time. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.